Amen. Thank you so much, praise team, praise band. You know, um, <clears throat> the Lord, we are not here by accident, but we're here by design and purpose. And God's got a plan for each and every one of us. And uh, he's got a plan for you. This Christmas season, we're thinking about embracing the Savior. And you know, uh, this fall, we talked about embracing the future, embracing the mission. But really, it's all about embracing the Savior. And the next few weeks, I want us to focus on what it means to embrace the Savior. Today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that is a story about Joseph and how the angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and explains to him what's going on with Mary and gives him instructions on what he's going to name this baby that's going to be born. And, and uh, the names, we're going to look at that together. And uh, what a joy to name a baby. And a baby's name has meaning and purpose. And you know, uh, did, did I tell you all that we have a new grandbaby in our house? I don't know that I did. I want to do that right now and explain that we have a, I think I have a picture of her actually. Oh, there she is. Introducing Charlotte Maureen Lewis, all right? And she's already saying, Papa is really awesome. <laughs> and uh, she is absolutely beautiful. This is Brad and Aaron's, and she came a few weeks early and was born last week. And uh, she's just over a week old, and she has already stolen our hearts. Now, the interesting story about when Charlotte was born, she was in the hospital a couple of days, and we didn't know her name. And Brad and Aaron didn't tell us the name. And they said, I said, well, guys, do you have a name? And everybody was asking me, what's its name? And I said, Baby Lewis, as far as I know. And we didn't have a name for a couple of days. Now, my sister said, who's always the smart aleck, she said to me, she said, did it take them by surprise? They're having a baby. And I said, no, I don't think so. She said, well, they should have known for about nine months. How long does it take them to find a name? But Brad said, in their defense, he said, Dad, we wanted to see her, look at her, hold her, and try to figure out what name really fit her best. And so they prayed about it. And they gave her this name, Charlotte Marine. And Marine, the middle name, is uh, uh, in, uh, her grandmother's name, Aaron's grandmother. And so it was a real joy. Well, we can move off that slide, I guess. All right? And so uh, we're talking about embracing the Savior and about what is in a name. Johnny Cash sang a song years ago, and he said he talked about a boy named Sue. And he said, he said my dad was a drunk, no beat dad that left us and abandoned us. The last thing he did was name me Sue before he left town. And he says, all of my life, I, that song, I won't sing it for you. But anyway, that song was all about how he fought his way through life and had a chip on his shoulder because his name was Sue. And he said he looked forward to the day that he met that old guy that gave him name Sue. And he found him in a bar. And long story short, the song in that ballad, they fought and fought and fought. And finally, the dad said, I gave you that name so I knew I wouldn't be around to teach you anything. And you learned how to get through hard knocks of life. And they must have hugged each other and everything was good. That doesn't happen, by the way. 
But he ends the song, he says, but if you're going to name a child, name him anything, but don't name him Sue. What about a name in your life? I want us to look at this name and the importance of it as we embrace the Savior. Do you have your Bible? Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 1, beginning with verse number 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And she'll give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant, and she'll give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him, and he married her. But he did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. And he named him Jesus. Amen. Father in heaven, speak to us today as we open and look at your word together, and I pray that, Father, that Lord, we look at Joseph in his life, the message that came to him and retained in God's word for all of us, the truths that are found in that message, in that naming of Jesus. And Jesus accomplished work for us. And I pray that we would respond in obedience and faith to you. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, as we look at this story that you're very familiar with, and I hope that you'll open your Bible and follow along with me in God's Word today. In verse number 18 and 19, it says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way, on this wise. According, it, it, it happened like this. This is what uh, Matthew's telling us. And he said, His mother was engaged to Joseph, and it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph was a righteous man, and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to divorce her secretly. Notice in this, in this verse, it says they were engaged. Actually, that's the translation that I, I'm using today as the Holman Christian Standard Bible. But the word engaged in English is not strong enough. It's, your, maybe your version says betrothed. But really, it's the idea in Jewish culture and life that, that, that betrothal or engagement and marriage had sort of three stages. Now, you, uh, young people, listen close. Students, listen close. 
the parents selected your husband for you. How many of y'all like that biblical idea? Not so much. And there were financial arrangements that were made and dowries paid and, and then there was a pledge and the pledge to was that a marriage would take place. And that pledge became a binding agreement between the two households and between the maiden and the young man. And that, that, that pledge was a betrothal. Legally, a bi- it was a legally binding agreement. And that, so what would happen now is if that broke up, it would be a divorce. And so even though the marriage was not consummated, it was a legally binding agreement. Now, the maid would stay with her uh, mom and dad, the young girl, would stay with her parents in her father's home until till there would be a, uh, for, so the bridegroom could get everything prepared. And there might be a year time elapsed. And he would go to his father's house of property or business, and he would get prepared to being a husband. And he would get his own house ready and prepare a home for his wife at his father's house. And when everything was ready, then there would be public celebration and a week of festivities and then the consummation of the, of the marriage and they become husband and wife. It was more than just an, an engagement. It was a stages of marriage. But here's a crisis. Joseph is a son of David, and he is a carpenter, a woodworker, a, a peasant, a, 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 not a rich man, but a, a, a poor man. And he's living in Nazareth, sort of a backwater town in Galilee, and he's engaged, he's betrothed to Mary. But before they've come together, meaning before they've lived together, before they've been intimate with one another, it was during that time of Commitment, but not consummation. That it became evident that Mary was expecting a baby. And the word was out that Mary is pregnant and she's going to have a baby. I want you to look at the very character. As we look at the man Joseph, first of all, look at his character today. The character of Joseph. It's demonstrated in the midst of this crisis. The Bible says that he was a just man or a righteous man. What does that mean? He means he was a man who knew the law of Moses, and he knew what the law said concerning this matter. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, it says, if there is a young woman and she's betrothed to a young man, and they've not come together yet as husband and wife, and she ends up becoming pregnant in a mutual thing with another man, Both of them are to be stoned. It's a capital offense. If she is taken advantage of or raped, then the man should die because that's a capital offense that he has committed. And so Joseph, he doesn't know about this miracle, and it's just reported to him that Mary's having a baby. Can you imagine how crushed he is? Can you imagine the crisis? He's a, a just and he's a righteous man. But not only that, he, he, ha, he could press it to the full extent. 
and have her publicly disgraced, but that's not in his heart. He doesn't want to do that. And so he decides he'll just put her away privately. He has no desire for retribution. It's not all about him and his embarrassment. But he knew that he also couldn't marry Mary. There's not only the character of Joseph, there's a concern of Joseph. He was not wanting to disgrace Mary. He cared about Mary. It wasn't just all about him. And so he didn't want her to be publicly shamed. He didn't want her to be killed. He didn't want her to go through a trial. He wasn't going to press that issue. And so he considers what to do. Notice the consideration of Joseph. Notice in verse number 20, it says he considered what he would do. He thought about it. He, I'm certain he prayed about it. And after he considered these things, he had made a decision of what his course of action was going to be. You see, in the Mishnah, we are told that a woman is forbidden to both her husband and to her lover if she's been unfaithful during a betrothal time. So Joseph, being a just, a righteous man, he couldn't have said, oh, I'll go ahead and marry her. But he knew that he couldn't because that would not be a just thing to do. This was the quandary that Joseph was in. So what does he do? He says, I'll just not make a big deal about it and I'll give her a certificate of divorce and it'll be a private affair and she'll go on with her life and I'll try to go on with mine. But this was the very character of Joseph. It was the concern of Joseph. It was the consideration of Joseph. But it's in the midst of this that God comes to Joseph and speaks to him in the midst of this crisis. And notice this messenger that comes. And notice in verse number 20, you have your Bible. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared suddenly in a dream. Suddenly this angel appears It's in a dream. And what does he say? Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what's conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And she'll give birth to a son and you're to name him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. Who is this angel of the Lord? Well, he appears in the dream. The word angel, angelos, means messenger. Most often in the Bible, an angel or a messenger is a messenger sent from heaven. It's a heavenly being. Sometimes a messenger, the word angelos, is used for men, and, but most often it is used for these heavenly beings. What do they look like? In the scripture, most often we see them as strong and powerful warrior types, looking like men. It's not our idea of... Uh, our idea of angels. It's not some winged cherub, some fat-faced baby with wings. That's not what we're talking about. This is the angel of the Lord, most likely Gabriel, and he's God's messenger. There's often brightness accompanied with him and strength and power. He comes as an emissary, speaking the very word of God from God himself. He appears in a dream to Joseph. And what is his first words to him? It is the Greek word phobia. Phobio. He says, do not 
be afraid. And here, the context means don't be hesitant. Don't be, don't shrink back technically from doing something. But instead, this is what you're to do is take Mary. So what is this message? First of all, Joe, hey, listen, Joe, don't be hesitant. You go ahead with what your plan to do. Number two, uh, and marry her. Secondly, God is working a miracle. His message to Joseph is, what's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, you need a messenger from heaven to tell that to you, because otherwise you're not going to believe it, right? And so if Mary said, Joseph, don't worry about it, it was, it was the Holy Spirit, he might say, Mary. But instead, the angel says to him, it is of the Holy Spirit. It is a miracle. God in heaven has visited Mary, and she is conceived, but no dude is involved in this. God is involved in it. It's a miracle. Shortly, we'll see the importance of that. And she will bear a son. What's going to be born to her is a son. How does the angel know that? Just a few years ago, Christy and I were having babies. Well, it just seems like a few years ago. We always had to pick out two names because we didn't know if we were getting a boy or a girl. Right? Some of you old as me, you know what I'm talking about. This is before ultrasounds like they have now and modern tests. But God knew the gender of this child. And he knew that this child would be a son. And it was a special nature child. It was God's own son. When our children were born, it was amazing. It was a miracle. It's so much fun now to watch my kids have children. I can't wait till they get involved in full-throated parenting. I get some things to remind them of. My sister, who I referenced earlier... Her name's Denise. She's a pistol. Love her to death. She was pregnant at the same time that Christy was, almost every time. And so, and our, our first child, Andy, was coming. We didn't know it was going to be Andy, but he was coming. And just a week later, my sister was supposed to be about six, seven weeks behind us. But she was at home, and, and, and she went into labor. And she went to the hospital, to Heron Hospital in Heron, Illinois. And when she was at the hospital, they said, this baby's coming early. And then all of a sudden, the doctor walks in and said, Denise, I've got to tell you something. I don't know how we missed this, but you're having twins. (laughs) Can you imagine? She said, I had one name picked out. Now I had to go find another one. She was depressed for six months. She will have a son. The angel of the Lord knew exactly what child was going to be born and that it would be a son. 
and he will be a savior. The next point is that he will be a savior. His name will be called, and he uses the word Jesus or Jesus. It is a Greek form of a Hebrew word, Yeshua. And the Hebrew name is is a shortened form of Joshua. He's going to be a Joshua. His name is Jesus. And this Greek name related to the Hebrew name of Yeshua means Jehovah saves. That God is the Savior. He's a deliverer from Jehovah. He's Jehovah's deliverer. And his work is found in his name. And his name is this new Joshua that's coming to save his people from their sin. Now, the word Joshua is found several times in Scripture of different men, but, of course, we think of Joshua the son of Nun that led the children of Israel into the promised land. But that's not who he's referring to. And so today, we're going to look at some passages in the prophets. And in the Old Testament, in Zechariah chapter number 3, there's a story. The exiles are returning from Babylonian captivity, and they come back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is destroyed. Remember, the Babylonians completely destroyed it. The children of Israel were taken away into captivity, living among these Gentiles, polluted. And when they come back, there's no king, there's no great warrior, ruler, there's no walls, and Zerubbabel is a, an appointed ruler by this Persian dictate, and, and he's over this province that's under the control of Babylonians, and, 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 and he, there's about 42,000 Jews that come. There's no place for worship. But there is a high priest. And that high priest's name is Joshua. And there's an interesting thing that happens in this prophecy in Zechariah chapter number 3. You have your Bible. The high priest is standing before the Lord and Satan is in the presence of the Lord accusing. And watch what happens. Look at your Bible. Verse chapter, Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Now, mark that. Who's standing there? The angel of the Lord. With Satan standing at his right side. And what does Satan do? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's he's there to make accusation. Next verse, please. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. May the Lord who's chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Isn't this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed with filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. So the angel of the Lord spoke to those standing before him. Take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to him, See, I've removed your guilt from you. And I will clothe you with splendid robes. Amen. Then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So a clean turban was placed on his head. And they clothed him in garments. While the angel of the Lord 
was standing nearby. Stop right there. Do you see the beautiful picture that is here? There's one who's going to be a redeemer and a savior, but he is polluted with filthy garments. He's been polluted and carried away in captivity. He is representing the sin of the nation of Israel. And there standing in the presence of God is the angel of the Lord and the Lord God himself and Satan who's accusing, saying he is not worthy, he cannot be a priest, he is dirty, he is condemned, he carries the sin of the people. But God in the presence of the angel of the Lord says, take off those guilty, uh, those dirty garments and put on righteous garments and a clean turban on his head. The truth of the matter is, every, why does the virgin birth matter? Every man born and woman born into this world is born a natural way from a man and a woman. And our sin carries down from generation to generation because when our mother's womb, we were conceived in sin. But our Savior was born in righteous garments because he was not clothed with the flesh of Adam. He was clothed by the Holy Spirit. Woo! That'll get your attention. This Joshua can save the world because he's no other man like any other man. Isn't that a good word? And it says the angel of the Lord was standing by. I love this. That very same angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and said, Joe, you're going to name him Yeshua. Because that was a picture of Jesus to come. Can anybody say amen right here? That is awesome. Because it's God sovereignly carrying out his plan of salvation for us. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem us who were under the law so what we might receive adoption as sons. Our Savior is, number one, a perfect Savior. He is a Savior without spot or blemish. He is a perfect high priest. He's perfect. Secondly, he's promised. In chapter number 3 of Zechariah, verse number 8, look with me there. Listen, Joshua the high priest, you and your colleagues sitting before you, indeed these men are a sign that I'm about to bring who? My servant. What? The righteous branch that Jeremiah speaks of. He says in chapter 6, verse number 13, he has promised he will build the Lord's temple He'll be clothed in splendor and will sit on the throne and rule. Priests don't reign like kings. He said, but this priest will be king of kings and lord of lords. There will be a priest. There will be a priest on his throne. Whose thrones? God's throne. There will be peaceful counsel between the two of them. The ruling of priesthood and kingship together fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is the atoner. He is the ruler. He is not only a promised Savior, He's a purifying Savior. In chapter number 3, verse number 8, look with me again. Zechariah 3, verse 8, 
Listen, Joshua the high priest, you and your colleagues sitting before you, indeed these men are a sign that I'm about to bring my servant, the righteous, the branch. Next verse. Notice the stone I've set before Joshua. On that one stone are seven eyes, seven facets. And I will engrave an inscription on this stone. And this is a declaration of the Lord of hosts. I will take away the guilt of this land, listen, in a single day. In one day, in one moment of time, God will redeem this world and pay for all sin. Somebody ought to get up out of their seat and say, hallelujah, praise God. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 36, we notice that in the, in the, in the sacrificial system, you make a pure gold medallion, engrave it, and like the engraving of a seal, and you're to put it on this turban on the, on the, on the, of, of the high priest. And what is it to say? Holy to the Lord. And fasten it to a cord of blue yarn so that it can be placed on the turban. And the medallion is to be in front of the turban. And notice what it says. And it will be on Aaron's forehead so that Aaron will bear. Notice this. Aaron will bear the guilt connected with the holy offerings that the Israelites consecrate on their holy gifts. It's always to be on his forehead so they will find acceptance with the Lord. But God says concerning this other Joshua that's coming, it will be a sevenfold, seven-faceted inscription on a stone written by God's hand that says, My son, holy to the Lord. And when my Savior enters into the holy place with his own blood, he's redeeming for all time in one day all men's sin. That is my Savior. Wow. Hebrews chapter number 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tested in every way, as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace, how? With boldness, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24 says, For the Messiah did not enter a sanctuary made with hands. He didn't go to a temple. A model of the true one. But in the heaven itself, that he might appear in the presence of God for us. And Satan, the accuser of the brethren, is silent. Because our robes are righteous in Jesus Christ. Woo! Isn't that a good word? I'm going to have a spell. He's a purifying Savior. He redeems us and saves us. In one day, sin was atoned for. And we know that day. It was the day that they took our Savior outside of the city. It's the day that they beat Him and mocked him and jeered at him. It's the day that they nailed him to a cross. It's the day that he 
hung on a cross. And you remember his words from the cross. On that cross, he cried out, I'm thirsty. They tried to bring him something. On that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know even what they're doing. On that cross, he said to a thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. On that cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And on that cross, he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. But on that cross, he cries out with a loud voice, Tantalestai. It is done, finished, sin atoned for in one day, in one moment. And the veil of the temple is torn from the top to the bottom. And we are redeemed. That is our Jesus and our Savior. Isn't that made Complete Savior of the world. Because God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our part, that we might become the righteousness of Christ in him. Hebrews 10 says, Every priest stands day after day, ministering the same sacrifices time after time, that never take away sins. But this man, Yeshua, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. It is paid for. You don't pay for your sins. Jesus, our Savior, paid for them. And the angel of the Lord was standing there when Joshua and Zechariah was dressed appropriately. And that same angel of the Lord said to Joseph, and you will name him Jesus. Yeshua. Because he's going to save people from their sins. Amen. Amen. That's why Paul said, God hath given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that a good word? Man, I may not finish this sermon. What is another name? He is a purifying Savior, but his name also means God is with us. He said, he said, they will call him Emmanuel. Plural, they. They will call him Emmanuel, quoting from Isaiah. And he says, meaning God is with us. Can I say something? When Jesus came to this world, God came in the flesh. John says it like this in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we beheld His glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. This is no ordinary man. It's God with us. 
Folks, he'll never leave you, never forsake you. He's with you. Jesus gave the last words he told his disciples. He says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I don't know, some of you are going through deep water in your life right now. You're going through deep water of hurt. You're going deep water of grief. You're going to deep water of anxiety. You're going through deep water of fears. You're going deep water of depression. You're going through deep water in your life. And you feel like maybe nobody's there with you. Nobody cares for you. Maybe you lost your spouse. Maybe you lost your son or a daughter. Maybe you've lost a grandchild. Maybe you got a divorce that you didn't want to have. Maybe there's been somebody's betrayed you in your life. But you feel hurt and injured and wounded and alone. I understand it. I understand it because I've been there too. Maybe not the same way as you, but I've been there. But I want you to know God is with us. This is the good news. He tasted what it was like to live in flesh. He knew what it's like to be betrayed. He knew what it's like to suffer. And we have a sympathetic high priest that is in heaven and he makes intercession for us. But he is present with us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are not alone. Tell your neighbor, we're not alone. Tell your neighbor, he is with us. Tell your neighbor that. Don't make me come out there. Tell your neighbor that. He is with us. That's the greatest news I know in all the world. He's with us. Paul said, remember what they said, the angel said to the shepherds? Born for you, boys, in this day, in the city of David. It's a Savior, Christ the Lord. He said, born for you. Stinky shepherd dudes, for you. In the city of David, the Savior is Christ the Lord. He's with us, he's for us. Whatever you're going through in your life, if God be for us, Paul said, who could be against us? Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then are we to say about these things, these difficulties? If God's for us, who can be against us? He gave us everything in His Son. Won't He provide what we need in our life? That's our great God and Savior. Amen? That's what His name means. Next slide, please. What is Joseph's response? First of all, when Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he married her. He obeyed God's word. How do I embrace the Savior? Good question. Look at Joe. He gives you a hint. Obey God's word. How many of y'all would like to really find Christmas joy this season? Would you raise your hand? You, how many of you wish the Christmas spirit would really be realized here in our... Yeah. Can I tell you how to get, know it? Obey God in your life. Obey his word. Because that's where the joy is found. Amen? Can you imagine, oh, Joseph? Do you think anybody made fun of Joseph for Mary and Mary? Of course. Can you believe it? You know what? Gossipers are a dime a dozen and negative voices. 
Can you believe that? You know what he did? Does he married her? I just can't believe it. What's he think? God did this? Can you hear it? Maybe. He said, I don't care what anybody else says. I know what I heard, and I know what God's word said, and I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to marry that girl. And he made her his wife, and he kept her. He reverenced God in that area. He didn't make it about his lust. He kept her a virgin until after she gave him birth. He embraced Jesus. He embraced him. Notice in verse number 25, it is the most beautiful little part of this verse. If you're not careful, you'll just skim over it and miss it. Verse 25. He did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son. This is the part you could skip over if you're not careful, but don't do it. You're missing something beautiful. He named him Jesus. Whenever a father gave the name, he was saying, he is mine. And when Joseph knew that he wasn't the seminal father, he knew that God had entrusted Jesus to him and Jesus would become his adopted son and his savior. And he named him Jesus. He's saying, that boy is mine and he will save me and make me God's. That's embracing the Savior. Amen. What's our response? The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God even those who believe in his name. Have you trusted Jesus? Have you given your heart and your life to him? There's no way to heaven except through Jesus. There's no salvation in anyone else. There's not a plan B. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Only Yeshua, our Savior. Amen. Takeaways today. Number one, don't make Christmas about you. Make it about Jesus. Amen. Joseph didn't make it all about him. made it about Jesus. Number two, don't hesitate to boldly follow Jesus. Joseph did something bold. Against culture, against what people would think, and he followed God. Number three, obey God's word. When he speaks to you, obey him. Number four, trust Jesus' work. You can't earn your way to heaven. It's the work of Jesus only. And number five, embrace Jesus as your personal Savior in your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you have spoken here powerfully to me, and I I think you've spoken powerfully through the Word. And I pray that, God, we would respond and say yes to you today. If there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that today... They would come and trust him as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord, have your way in our hearts, our lives. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? And as you stand, our praise team's going to lead us. You come. Let the Lord have his way. Come now. Thank you.